0: start the message this morning. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us this morning, I pray that you be with, uh, with me as I, as I preach the word, Lord, as I, as I unpack your scriptures, as I bring the treasures that, that you give us, Lord, um, through your word. Uh, I pray that you would help me to be faithful, help me to be um, effective in communicating your truths, help me to be, um, help me to be your mouthpiece, Lord, and, and Lord, help me to stay out of the way. Um, I know that, that sometimes I, I uh, stumble over words or I say the wrong thing or I, I, or what have you. Just help me to stay out of the way. Help people to hear from you this morning um, above all, Lord. And I pray that you be with the folks who are here. Um, touch their hearts and their minds, that they might hear from you, that they might come to know you more, that they might um, be drawn to Jesus through hearing your word preached this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we are continuing our Psalms series, and I think we're going to do one more Psalm. Uh, this is part two of last week, so if you missed last week, uh, sorry, you're going to be lost. I'm kidding. Um, you can watch it on Facebook Live, and uh, um, it's on the Facebook page, so if you want to back up and see it, like if you have trouble getting to sleep at night and need some help. Uh, You can go back and watch that one. Um, But this is Psalm 10, and we're going to get into it in a second. Before we start, I kind of want to set up something here. Um, Psalm 9 and 10 are two halves of of one, right? Like they were almost certainly originally one composition. And I I was trying to come up with an explanation, like a good analogy, to explain how they are like thematically related. And and the thing I kept coming back to over and over again is uh, Superman comics y'all y'all are, have heard of this like comic book Superman character, right We're vaguely aware um there is a Superman villain named Bizarro, right Bizarro came out in the eighties originally and he is the opposite of Superman, right like where Superman is strong and and smart and good, Bizarro is a bad guy, and he is dumb as a sack of hammers and um and and he, he oftentimes says the opposite of what he means. He says up, it means down. He says right, it means left. He says good, it means bad. Bad, it means good. Like he is completely backward. He is a backward character compared to Superman. Everybody with me? Um, and, and, um, this psalm is the bizarro version of Psalm 9. Got it? Where Psalm 9, um, is this, uh, is this accounting of who God is, right like David, as he begins this psalm, he tells all about god's like nature and his justice and his holiness and his awesomeness and his infinite power and everything else. Psalm ten is the exact opposite end of the spectrum. it is describing wicked men and like people who think that they're in this position, this divine, powerful position, I can do anything i I have no accountability. I am unstoppable. And like they are, but they're the opposite of who God is. Um, And so like, like as we dig into Psalm 10, um, we're going to see sort of this bizarro version of what Psalm 9 is. And, and I'll do my best to unpack it. Um, real quick before we get into that, like the Psalms are part of what's called the wisdom literature. The wisdom literature is sort of a genre, right? Like, like a type of, of literature. Um, like you might have fiction and romantic fiction and science fiction and vampire fiction and stuff like that. Like, like these types of genres of books. Um, wisdom literature for ancient Jewish folks um, represented a certain like approach to writing. And, um, there's kind of a spectrum, right? Um, Proverbs is one, and we all probably have heard a handful of the Proverbs. They're, they're very like, like intelligent, like wise sayings, but they tend to be very idealized, right? Like good men succeed, evil men fail, right? Like that's the sort of general idea or like lazy men tend to like go hungry, whereas hard workers tend to eat. Um, and there's sort of this idealized version of like like, you know, this is the way the world should be, and these are truths that are sort of universal and above. Now, the other end of the spectrum would be something like Ecclesiastes. Um, if you're If you're in for a rough reading or you're feeling melancholy, Ecclesiastes is a great book, because it is all about how, sometimes good people die anyway, right? Sometimes people who work hard, like, their whole lives, well, not sometimes, like always, everybody who lives, like, eventually dies. And, like, if you work hard your whole life and build a great kingdom for yourself, you'll die and somebody else will take it over and they'll change the names of everything and that'll be it. Like, you you can't really control everything. It's sort of the anti-Proverbs. That's the two ends of the spectrum, right? Like, like in reality, the world is broken. But this is the ideal version, right? Psalms lands in the middle and it's sort of the emotional human connection with all of that. And... This half of the Psalms, like, so 9 and 10, we see this, this is who God is, this is what God is about, and then we see this, this is the way the world is, this is the way wicked men are, and it is a broken thing. Um, And so, like, there's this spectrum here, and it's all displayed here. Um, We're going to go through Psalm 9 real quick, I'm going to read it, I'm not going to preach Psalm 9 again, I'm just going to go through it real quick, so that those of y'all who, you know, like, so you can have this fresh in your head, because again, like, they're connected. Um, they were originally one song, and we know that because they're an acrostic in Hebrew. Um, like, they're associated with letters of the alphabet, like Aleph, Bet, Dalit, my Hebrew is terrible, um, and all the other letters. Um, they, they, and it made it easier to memorize, right? So you'd be like Aleph, and then the first word of the first sentence starts with Aleph, and then, like, anyway. Um, And so, like, Psalm 9 is the first half of the alphabet. Psalm 10 is the second half. We know they're connected. It's a dead giveaway. Um, So, uh, for the director of music to the tune of The Death of the Son, a Psalm of David. Um, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Um, So real quick before we jump on. These are all the great things about who God is, right? God is just. God is righteous. God takes care of people who are his people. God watches out for wicked people and causes them to stumble. He is, like, fantastic, Um, Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed and a stronghold for times of trouble. Those who know your name, trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Again, this is a big, like God is awesome, right? And the, you are a refuge and a stronghold. It's the same word like repeated twice, you know, and they don't translate it as a repeat because it'd be weird in English. Um, But it means like a high rocky place, like this big defendable fort that's Like, you can't overtake it. And that's where God, you know, is described. Like, he occupies this position of, like, he is a strong defense for everyone who seeks refuge in him. And he defends the oppressed and the poor and the, the, you know, those who don't have families to defend them. And, and like, he is is amazing in this way. And he's fair. He's not swayed by people's wealth or their influence or how good-looking they are or how whatever. Um, God is fair and equitable and awesome and the defender of the weak um sing the praises of the lord enthroned in zion proclaim among the nations what he has done for he who avenges blood remembers he does not ignore the cries of the afflicted lord see how my enemies persecute me have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death that i may declare your praises in the gates of the daughter zion um, and there rejoice in your salvation the nations have fallen into the pit they have dug their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. And so like he again he says, "Hey, God like I'm being persecuted, I know you will defend me because that is who you are. You're the kind of God that protects and avenges and makes things right and everything else." Last section here of Psalm 9. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead, all the nations that forget God. But God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. Arise, O Lord. Do not let mortals triumph. This is the important line for, like, the transition here. Do not let mortals triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror and let the nations know they are only mortal. Watch this. This repeated phrase there, mortal, mortal, right? It is a reminder, hey, God, as you come up and you deal with, like, this brokenness in the world remind all of these folks who are out there being evil that they're only human, right? That they don't get to do whatever they want, that they don't get to like get away with it, like that they don't get to to um to afflict people who are poor, like oppress the the needy, like like all of this, they don't get to do this stuff because they are only men. Um so all of this praise of God, the first half of the psalm, and then we shift gears into 101. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Boy, that's a shift, right? <laughs> My God is good. My God is just. My God deals with these things. And now, where are you? Um, one of the best uh, descriptions I read of this verse, as I was studying it, was um, was, was a quote from Job. How long, Lord? Like, how long are you going to stand back and let this continue? Like, how long are you going to let my cause be, you know, not taken care of? How long are you going to let me stumble? How long are you going to let this go on, Lord? Where are you? Why don't you stop it? Um, anybody relate to this, by the way? Like, how long are people going to get sick? How long are we going to be unwell? How long am I going to be depressed? How long do people get to oppress, you know, the, the poor? How long do we get, have to deal with this, Lord? Why is the world so broken? When are you going to fix it? It's a big transition, and here we go into this second psalm. This is, this is the bizarro, right? Because this is the opposite of who God is. And we see this in the description of the wicked man, um, in his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. Now, the word arrogance there is often translated pride, right? Pride is a big, ugly word. Um, pride is is this thing that infects our brains and and helps us to do stupid things. Everybody with me? Um, I can think of the biggest holes I have ever dug for myself, and they were all, like, the core of it was my pride. I, you know, I am this awesome, right? Or I can do anything. In this case, he goes from, remind these folks that they're mortal. Remind them that they're not all that. Remind them that they can't just do what they want. And he transitions, he says, in their arrogance, these people are hunting down the weak, um, they're setting out schemes and pulling people in and taking advantage of them. Um, it's pride that makes that okay, right? I read a, uh, an interview years ago. I read an interview with uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. You all know who Jeffrey Dahmer was? He was a really horrible person who was a serial killer. He, like, killed people and ate them and stuff like that. It was really – I know it's gross. I'm sorry. Um, it was, like, really this horrible person – And one of the things he he said in this interview, he said, when I was doing this stuff, I, I didn't believe there was a God. I believed that I was a God unto myself and that anything I did was okay because I decided it was okay. Right? I mean, there's an arrogance to that, right? To say, I decide what's right and wrong. I decide who lives and who dies. I decide. I mean, that is arrogant. And like there are wicked folks. They approach the world and they look at people as like, I can take from you and have, right? You are, you are a depository for me to draw from. Um, and, and it is a horrible thing. Like, and this is the opposite of who God is, right? Right? Like in Psalm 9, we see over and over again that God is just and that God takes care of the weak and that God like defends the helpless. And this is the anti-Psalm 9. It is the bizarro Psalm 9. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, there's that word again, the wicked man does not see him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. So the wicked man, like, he, he seeks out to take from everyone else. He seeks out to draw off of other people. Um, he sees people as a piggy bank, um, as, as a resource to take from. Um, and he boasts about everything he wants. Um, he boasts, like, brags about these are the things that I deserve. Um, the folks around who, him who are greedy the folks around him who are selfish. Like, he blesses those folks. These are his friends, right? And we have a tendency to, I mean, this is, it is just an awful truth about humanity. We tend to gravitate toward people who commit the same sins as us, right? And we tend to bless the sins of the folks who are sinning the same way we are, right? Like, we're, we're cool with it. Like, you hear a lot of folks talk about, you know, this sin, like, oh, this is so bad, I can't believe people do this, but then they protect their own. Like, I, uh, one of the biggest criticisms I, I hear of the church is, like, that we ignore gluttony, right? Like, I can have everything I want and as much of it as I want, and, like, that is fine. You know, we, we do turn a blind eye to that. I mean, it is a reality. We turn a blind eye to, to all kinds of things because there are our sins. Um, in reality, like, In reality, part of like pursuing Christ and coming to know him is recognizing, oh my gosh, I'm fallen. Oh my gosh, I need God to forgive me of this stuff. Oh my gosh, I need to change in heart, soul, mind, core, everything about me to become like Jesus. Like this is... What I'm here for now. Like if Jesus has died for me, if I'm a new creation in Christ, like everything after that is about me becoming different. But our tendency is to protect and to look away from and to ignore. Like it's just an easy thing to do. and It's the truth. I'll confess, I you know, I I'm, try really hard not to, but it's easy to just ignore some sins. Like it just is. Um, in his pride, meaning I, don't, I, I am self-sufficient, I am the master of my domain, I don't need God. I don't need to pursue him. Sometimes, actually, we think we can command God, right? God will do as I please. God will follow my directions. God will submit to my will. And in reality, like, it's, it's just not true. And it's pride. It is a foolish thing. Actually, it's wicked to believe you can command God. His ways are always prosperous. Now, that's rough, isn't it? Anybody ever like look at evil people in the world and think those guys are just winning way too much, right? Like, why is it that these folks come out on top? Why is it that they come away rich, even though they're 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 abusing folks, even though they're mistreating folks? Um, his ways are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies meaning like he gets away with it. Lord, why are you letting this guy make fun of your laws? Why are you letting him get away with it? Lord, how long? Where are you? Now, I want to hit pause here because this is kind of this is dark, right? Like this is this is heavy. But he started his prayer with this is who God is. God is just. God is holy. God avenges, like, like, blood of those who are, like, you know, who are, who are abused or who are mistreated, who are victimized. Like, this is who God is. Um, but now on the other end, he's saying, you know what, I know this is who you are, and I know that you're in control, but how long are you going to let this go on, Lord? Where are you? Where are you? He says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. He swears no one will ever do me harm. Um, And again, there's this belief, I can do what I want, right? I will never get caught. I will never stumble. I will never, I'll never be held accountable. Um, There's a great deal of of foolishness in this. And that's why, like, Psalm 9 ends with, remind him he's immortal, right? Remind him that one day he's going to stand before God. Remind him that one day he will answer for all of this. Remind him, like, this day is coming, His mouth is full of lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near villages from, excuse me, from ambush. He murders the innocent. His eyes watch in secret for his victims. Like a lion in cover, he lies in wait. Now watch this. Anybody ever watch a nature documentary? Oh, man, I love me some lions, right? I love that, that lions are big and strong and scary, and yet the women do all the hunting, right? <laughs> lions in reality are only big and strong and scary to fight each other, but like lionesses go out and hunt. And there's a crazy thing. Like watch, like go on, go on YouTube one morning, or one afternoon, or whatever, and watch lions. Like just lion attacks, and leave it blank and see what happens, because you will occasionally find lion attacks rhino. But lions don't usually attack rhinos. Do you know why? Because rhinos are scary, right? Rhinos have those big horns that they impale things with, right? Lion attacks hippo. You know why lions don't attack hippos? Because hippos kill lions. (laughs) Like, that's why. Lion attacks honey badger. It doesn't happen. Like, it's crazy. Nobody would do that. Um, What you see is lion attacks wounded gazelle, right? Because what the lion does is he kind of approaches the herd, he jumps out, and when the gazelles spread out, he finds the fastest and strongest one? Nope. The most dangerous one? Nope. The you know, the one that, you know, he what he finds is the baby or the injured or the one that nobody's protecting or whatever. Like he finds the weakest one and eats it. Now there's an irony in this, right? Like these folks who are claiming their all power, you know, I am all powerful, I can do anything I want, I can, I am like a lion, I can hunt and I can murder, I can do whatever I want. They're not going after strong people. Like, the nature of who these people are, again, it's bizarro, right? It is the opposite of who God actually is. Because when God deals with folks, right, he deals with the powerful with a heavy hand. Like, I mean, that's all over Psalm 9, right? Um, He deals with the powerful in a very serious way. Um, And he protects the weak. Whereas, like the bizarro version, the man, the wicked man, like he hunts down the helpless and he, he consumes them. Like a lion, he jumps out and eats them. He lies like... He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags him off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse, and they fall under his strength. Um, the, there's a truth in this, right? Like, the strong prey on the helpless, and they do so because they're wicked. Um, and we live in a culture of this, right? We live in a culture where, where you know, oftentimes it's the helpless and, and the people who have no one representing them or children or whoever that are, like, mistreated the worst. And that is a wicked thing. Like, that is something that that God is horribly offended by. And it's something we have to take very seriously, like, in how we live our lives. Like, this is a big deal. Um, is the opposite of God's character. He says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. So this man backs up and says... God doesn't even care. Guess what? It's not true. But it's a lie he tells himself. I'm going to tell you. There was a like during the the long period of time where I had kind of fallen away from following Jesus, and I was I was doing a bunch of stupid stuff. There was a part of me that would either say God's not paying attention right now, or God's cool with this. And guess what? It's just not true. Like, and the longer I did that, like it's a that's a thing that comes out of pride right it's a thing that comes out of an arrogance that says God doesn't care what I do um, like the longer we do that the more it kills us inside and the more like we we in this life I think we can draw on this this um, this taste of what it is to be separate from God like we I don't know when I was living that way I was hopeless and I was empty and I was I was depressed I was I was miserable um, But I continued to be in my sin because it was like what I had. In my pride, I can do anything I want, and God won't do anything about it. So here's the gear shift, right? Arise, Lord. Lift up your hands, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? Now, watch this. He says, God, come on. Let's do this. (laughs) God, act. Act. How long are you going to wait to do something about this? These bizarro folks are over here. Like, come and show them that they're mortal. Come and show them that they are not you, that they are not God, that they don't decide what right and wrong is, that they don't decide who gets to live and who gets to die. Like, they don't get to do this. They don't get to call justice to themselves. And I kind of feel like every time I've read this particular section, I've come back and said, well, what he's doing is he's saying, Lord, do you see what they're doing? Like, shouldn't you go get them? My, my kids do this sometimes. Maybe spend time around, other, or around small children. You'll see where they'll do this. Dad, do you know what Titus is doing? Do you know you should probably do something about that? Right? Shouldn't you be unleashing the lightning of your terrible swift sword? Dad, go get him. Um, and I think that's actually what's happening right here. I think this is a, God, move. Do something. God, please Act. Act. Do you know what they're saying about you? Go get them. But you, God, see the trouble for the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Now remember, I actually hear this helper of the fatherless. the, The people who are easiest to victimize in the ancient world, and I think there's a great deal of truth of this in our world, are folks who have no one, like no father to protect them, no father to lead them, no father to care for them, no father to like, like teach them. I, I, uh, I, I've been praying about this Psalm, kind of on and off all week. And I spent a chunk of time this week. Um, I had to, I had to tune up my car. I do some, some basic automotive work, and and Titus hung out and helped me, and and um. Like like the cool thing about that is that afterwards Titus talked about how, he, how good he is at working on cars with Dad, right? And if I do that again in three months, and I do it again three months after that, and I do it again three months after that, eventually what's going to happen is Titus is going to go from being this little kid who is doing this with Dad to help, to being an adult who does it himself, to eventually doing the same thing with his kid, right? Because the advantage of having a father is you learn to be who you're supposed to be. And you've got somebody to guide you and direct you. Um, The fatherless, like for the gazelle, the fatherless is the one that gets eaten, right? In our culture, the fatherless are the ones that get eaten. They're the ones that nobody's guiding them and teaching them. Nobody's taking care of them. I, uh, I passed a book around to a handful of folks in this church last year uh, fields of the fatherless is about um, about the tragedy that is taking place in our culture, like where dads are just not present and like the disaster that's going to reap out of that and the calling God puts on the church to take care of folks who have nobody to take care of them. And this is a big deal. Um, It is a big deal that, that we as God's people, like, like, pay attention to folks who've got nobody watching out for them, and we protect them, and we serve them, and we make sure they're fed, and we make sure they're, like, well taken care of. The early church, one of the biggest, like, scandals of the early church of the Roman Empire, it was common practice. If you had a child, and you were, like, a Roman citizen, and the child was imperfect, there was a law that dictated you had to expose that child. Do you know what that is? Exposure in the ancient world was where you took that baby, and you took him out into the woods, and you left him there and went home. And then that baby was not raised by wolves. Um, he was probably eaten by wolves. And the reason they did that was because, like, you didn't want to have imperfect children in the empire. Like, it was better to get rid of them, right? Early Christians, like, like, against the law, like, they violated the law. They would go out and they would collect children who were abandoned. And they'd take them home and raise them, oftentimes in secret. Like, it was a huge scandal of the early church, but this is the attitude. We take care of the helpless. We watch out for the fathers, We love people that nobody loves. And we love them times a hundred, where everybody else around us looks at us and says, what is wrong with you people? We're people who are growing to be like God, and it's going to look crazy to the world. We protect the fatherless because that's who God is. And we recognize that sometimes the high fortress that God provides for folks in this life is us. Look around you. The people around you are a part of this, like, mission God has put out in the world, right? Like, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for the fatherless. Jesus died for... the broken for the wicked for i i for a little while i uh i worked when i worked at the uh children's home we had a a program for for juvenile sex offenders right nobody wanted those people to come to their churches we had trouble finding churches that would let them come these are like eight-year-olds nope they don't get to come to our church somebody should tell them about jesus but it shouldn't be us Except that's not who we are, right? I mean, we can be careful, and we were always careful when we bring our clients anywhere. And we'd, like, take precautions to make sure they weren't going to hurt anyone or whatever. But, like, the reality is that the church, we're supposed to be the home for the broken and for the filthy and for the miserable. We're like our Father. We're like Jesus. Break the arm of the wicked man. Now, I'm going to hit pause here. Anybody ever broken an arm? I have not. I broke my leg once. And I'm going to tell you, we were playing basketball at the time, and that basketball game was over. Right? I was not getting up. I was not playing. I, If somebody wanted to challenge me to a fight, I would curl up in the fetal position and hope for the best. Right? So this lion that runs out to attack the wicked, or the weak, break his arm, Lord. What does that mean? It means put an end to this. Because I don't care how strong you are, a broken arm is the end of the conversation, right? You are not fighting with a broken arm. Like, you're not. He is saying, Lord, the power these men possess in their wickedness, take it away from them. Pull it off them. Like, strip them of the authority and the power they have. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. Meaning... Lord, put it all out there so everybody knows, like, pull it out there, call them to account, bring them to accountability. Now, there's a cool thing here that the church needs to remember and that we need to remember. And I say this is a really not very good guy, right? So, like, it worked well for me. Um, he doesn't say, God, come along and decapitate the wicked, right? I mean, there's a part of us that sort of wants that to happen, Right? Like, the, uh, you know, uh, the, there are people who do really horrible things in the world, like people who, like, traffic human beings as slaves. Like, you could cut those people's heads off, Lord. I'm cool with that. I mean, that's our sense of justice, right? But the reality is that God's desire, um, the prophets t- teach us that, right? Like, they teach us that um, for God does not, um, oh, gosh, I'm going to draw a blank now that I quoted it. I started quoting it. Um, I, I get no joy from the death of the wicked. I'm butchering it, I know. Um, I get no joy from the death of the wicked, but, like, like, what God seeks after is this repentance from us. He, crushing an evil man is not the same thing as redeeming him. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died for horrible people. He died for people who didn't deserve to be saved. He died for people who were, were monsters. Um, I, I read, uh, last year, I read the book uh, Hiding Place about Corey Ten Boom and her family where they hid Jewish people in their watch shop, and eventually they were captured, like they were found out, and the Nazis put them in concentration camps. And Corrie Temmum, her sister, died in this camp, and, and she, she survived. And years later, she was preaching in Germany, and a man walked up to her and said, I was a guard in your camp. I, I remember you. And I'm so happy to hear you forgive me. <laughs> and she stopped, and she, it was like the hardest moment of her life, like, oh, my gosh, do I? Like, <laughs> But for a monster to come to Christ. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. For someone who doesn't deserve anything but to be crushed under God's heel because in their arrogance they oppress and mistreat and defeat and, and gather up their own winnings and their own pleasure from other people. Like like, for that person to come to know that Jesus died for them. And you. Right? Because Ultimately, we've all offended God. You're no better. I'm no better. I'm probably worse than most of you guys, honestly, like maybe all of you. Um, but Jesus died for me. Um, God's desire is, is to make us new. God's desire, God is glorified when we're forgiven. And so he says, hold them to account um, for this wickedness that they've got hidden that would otherwise not be found out. Like make them clean, make them new like bring them to purity like that's like as a modern christian reading that this this is what i read right like god bring us to account help us to understand the only way that we can pay our account off is through christ who died for us the lord is king and here's where he ends right this is our last clause he ends with the lord is king forever and ever the nations will perish from his land you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that, the, so that mere mortals – excuse me, so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. So he says, God, remind them they're human and remind them of who you are, right? You're king forever and ever. And so this is – it starts with Psalm 9 is all about how awesome and powerful and fantastic God is, Right? We shift gears to this is the bizarro God, little g, right? Men who would oppress, men who would steal, men who would take advantage of, men who would crush. Um, and that bizarro version of God, little g. Um, like, God, call him to account because you, I see this happening. How long are you going to let it go on? But I know, and he comes back to it over and over again. I know you're king. I know you're in charge. I know that these people will not win in the end. I know. But could you make it happen sooner? And there's nothing wrong with asking God to make it happen sooner, right? Um, how long, Lord? That's not a wrong question to ask because it's asked over and over again in the scriptures. Um, ultimately, like, like we as people, when we pray, um, we're called to do this, to remember God, I know you're in charge. God, I know Jesus died for me. God, I know Jesus died for them. God, I know you're going to bring about justice. God, I know you're going to make it all right. God, I know you're going to take care of these people who are being mistreated and imprisoned and crushed. I know you're going to do this stuff. Like, here's what's happening. Make it right, God. Like, we as people, as we watch this stuff happen, our first and foremost is to go back and pray, right? God, make it right. God, make it right. God, make it right. right. Um, And then, honestly, as his people, we're supposed to go and do it. Um, If you read the life of David, it's probably the case that David wrote this psalm. If you read it, it's oftentimes the case that David went out and made things right. That's kind of the cool thing about who David is. And as the church, as the body of Christ, we are God's hands, feet, voice, um, sometimes his wallet, sometimes his whatever in this world. And we are here to be him to the world. And so folks who don't know Jesus, we tell them. Folks who don't have fathers, and you can ask around, there are people like in this church um, who have had like people from this church be dad to them for a while when they needed it, right? Um, There are people in this church who have been like a shoulder to cry on or like a hand to help them up or what have you, or other people in this community who needed it. Like this is our job, guys. Our job is to go out and to do this. Um, The word justice came up over and over again in Psalm 9, and I read something interesting this morning as I was... As I was um, getting ready I listen, I heard, um, I was listening to this lecture or this sermon, and the guy said, uh, justice, whenever you see it in the Bible, it's always like, do justice. It, it's like, so this is God's ideal, and we're called to do God's ideal, right? And so we as his people, like we say, God is in charge, and part of my job is to go out and do justice. So we turn to him, we pray to him, we call out to him, we point out wrong, we like, God, come do this, and then we go out and make it right as best we can. Um, because we need to get revenge? No. Because we've got to hate people who are different and wrong? No. But because Jesus died for us. Jesus died for the wicked. Jesus died for the broken. Jesus died for horrible people. Um, my challenge to you this week is to, is to back up and look at your heart. First off, look at your heart and ask, like, am I the bizarro? Right? Because some of us are. Like, I'm not pointing at anybody in the room. I don't, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I know I was the bizarro for a long time, and that's not cool. Um, am I this man? Like, in my arrogance, am I ignoring what I'm doing because God won't notice or because my sins are okay because that guy's are worse? Like, am I the bizarro? And then after that, ask yourself, like, what am I doing with this? What am I doing with the fatherless? What am I doing with a helpless, am I like pointing people to this high, protected place that God is a protection for them? Am I like providing relief, or am I just sailing right on past? As James would say, like take care of yourself and be well, right? We're gonna close in prayer, and I'll let y'all be. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray that you would help us to um, glorify you um, in who we are, and help us, Lord. When we pray, help us to over and over again come back and say. God, you are in charge. God, you are the source of all that is right and good in the world, and like you are the standard that we follow. Help us to grow to be more and more like Jesus in everything that we do. Help us to to reach out to the fatherless, to the helpless, to the the um, sojourner, the the guest in our land. Lord, help us to be the, the voice of Jesus and the hands of Jesus to the world around us. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.